listening to Rattle and Pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay. So Jeff, this morning we invited a guest, a Peer Story guest, uh, Mark Wainwright, and we are going to talk about the pipeline cliff. And I don't know what that is. I don't know. Is that, is that some type of surfer methodology that we're going to talk about, the pipeline? I don't know, but it sounds cool. And I'm really excited about it. Uh, once again, you demonstrate why you're an agency. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. I am an agency? I mean, uh, I'm a person. I, just, I, I need to clue you in, Jeff. I am a person. I do have feelings. Yeah. I am not a monolithic entity that, you know, that represents my business. So, anyway. That's what I love about you. That's what I love about you. And this one's going to be a good one. I like Mark. I like Mark. Hi, Mark. Hi. Good morning. So, Mark, before we go into the pipeline, Cliff, why don't you give us a quick kind of just backstory on you? And, you know, as someone who's a sales professional, I expect you to do this in 3.7 seconds at the loudest right. voice you possibly can, because that's how sales works, right? Right, right. <laughs> right. So funny. So funny. Guys, thanks for having me. I'm a huge fan. You guys have something kind of fun and special happening. You know, you've had some recent episodes with Brian Caffarelli and David Ryan that I've just I think listen to two or three times each. So you guys are doing something good here. Here's my 3.8 seconds, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, thank you. And, and we're excited that you're on because we both love this topic that you've kind of like framed up and you've written an article about it. And it's a really, really just a great way of looking at this. So we're excited about it. So, so anyway, so yeah. Good. Yeah. You know, I've been involved in professional services for about 20 years. I can uh, crazily say that at this point, and I worked with you know, some crazy folks in one of those marketing agencies for a little bit of time. And most of it was with architects and engineers. And recently I worked with a guy named Dr. John Cotter, who harkens from Harvard Business School and uh, a really wonderful guy to work with. And now I am kind of doing my own thing right now. And I call myself a part-time sales manager for part-time salespeople. And we can kind of get into that a little bit or or not, but I think it's a interesting offering to professional services firms, specifically firms who are growing and, you know, can't stand that word sales and don't know what a sales manager is. And, but, but at the same time, kind of lack, you know, the sales acumen that they need to survive in a competitive environment like we have. I don't know any firms like that. Jason, do you know any <laughs> firms like that? I can't even relate. Can't relate. Never, right. never right. seen it before. I love your positioning in, in general. When we first started talking, that's what actually kind of caught my attention is there's so much sort of outsourced business development available in the marketplace. But I thought it was a different take on this, this idea of being a part-time sales manager. And it made me think of kind of like the classic dotted line in the matrix organization. But this idea that you've got this, this dotted line outside the firm to this external person who's sort of a specialist and an advisor. So I do think it's worth talking about that before we dig into the, the notion of the pipeline cliff, because I do think it's, a, it's an intriguing way of looking at this for, for firms. Yeah, well, thanks. I th there's a handful of folks out there that I'm aware of that are offering this, you know, so it's not a completely unworn trail, but it's it's very interesting and, you know, these are folks that, you know, architects, engineers, analysts, economists, all different types of folks that really haven't developed the important sort of foundational sales skills. So sometimes these organizations choose to sort of bring a bring in a rainmaker, a person that does nothing but full-time sales or business development, however you want to call it. But your client 
really doesn't want that. Your client doesn't want sort of a third party sort of injected into the relationship. Clients specifically in these really complex professions really want to be working directly with the practitioner. So what the practitioner really needs is just some basic foundational skills. And then they need a wingman. They need a sidekick, the, the Robin to your Batman. And, and that's the role that a sales manager plays, but they're not going to hire a full-time sales manager. It's a costly venture. And it's also just, just hours that are unused. So this kind of fractional or part-time approach is pretty cool. I'm loving it. And the people that I work with are really enjoying it as well. Let's jump into this pipeline cliff because I love yeah, this sure. idea of the pipeline cliff. When you first kind of posed it, I, I remember this is probably seven or eight months ago we were chatting and I said, you better write that article because if you don't write it, I'm going to write it. And I kept pressing you to write it until you wrote it. You did. And, and it's funny. And, you know, when we were in the three of us were talking a, a little while ago and, and you both mentioned, well, sure, you've got a blog post written up on this that we're going to refer to and draw from. And I said, of course, <laughs> of course, I've <laughs> got that. Of course. So. So maybe it was like late, you know, Friday or a Saturday or a Sunday or whatever it was. And I'm scrambling, sort of putting, you know, thoughts to paper. So I've got it down. It's there. And I've I've got my thoughts down on a recent blog post and we can kind of pull from that. So we'll link to that in the show notes. Jason, this reminds me of the, the podcast we just did a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was, where you were fleshing out some thought leadership ideas, your concept of how thought leadership should be generated and, and, and how it's evolving. It sounds like we're going to have another one of those today. <laughs> this will be fun. Right. When we talk about the pipeline cliff, what are we actually talking about? And I don't even know if that's the right phrase. I, that's just the, the, the catchy phrase I put on it to describe the, to, the title of the podcast. But, but what are we talking about here? So there's two parts that I'm referring to you know, right now for this discussion and, and referenced in that, that, that post I wrote, you know, one is, uh, your backlog or your contracted work, the work that you've got under contract right now that it's going to extend from today into the future at some point. And over time, if you're kind of picturing this graphic, you know, closing your eyes, sort of seeing this XY sort of graph that that work tapers off over time. And so today, let's say, you know, the, the, the economy is in good shape. You are at a hundred or you know, there's a lot of firms out there who are at, you know, 110, 120% capacity, achieving your revenue goals. Things are good. But as you look out into the future, that backlog contracted work starts to taper off, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of the situation with most professional firms, or I would say all professional service, services firms. It's funny. I was thinking of a, a former client of mine, a really good friend, a guy by the name of Jeff Kolda, and he ran business development for Fitch here in town, the big retail and product design firm for years. And he liked to say, he's like, you know, Fitch is the largest business on the planet that could be out of business in 90 days. <laughs> right. He would talk about that all the time. Like, that's the nature of this beast. He's like, you know, at any, and that was, that was always the pressure that, that he was talking about. Right. I, I totally agree. And, you know, that, that brings a level of urgency to the next part, which is the pipeline, right? And, you know, firms that really bring a good level of rigor and urgency to developing their sales pipeline, their work, their future, you know, non-contracted work, their prospective work, firms are successful when they take that seriously, when they have a really, you know, a clear view of it, when they have a pipeline that consists of prospective opportunities, you know, projects or clients that they want to work with, 
that are, you know, meeting their various revenue goals, you know, increasing, you know, the average value of, you know, per contract revenue, you know, meeting their overall quarterly or annual revenue goals. So, you know, so the pipeline is what extends beyond your contracted work, right? And there's a lot of firms out there. It's a fog. You know, there could be six people chasing after different things. There's there's some RFPs in the mix. There's some contract renewal pending. There's a six referrals out there that people aren't sort of tracking down. You know, it's kind of a mess. Firms <laughs> pay a ton of attention to their contracted work. Like, how are we going to get this stuff done right now? But their pipeline is a bit of a mystery. Why is it a mystery so frequently? Because it takes that extra time and energy and focus to not just deliver on the work that you have today, but be looking ahead. I mean, it's just, I kind of feel like it's human nature. I think there's people that are just focused on the here and now, and they're so busy. And particularly in these types of professional services firms where you're, these are people who are practitioners as salespeople, you know, the the industry uses the term doer sellers, right? So the majority of their time, they're spent practicing their craft. So they're worried about delivery, right? That is their focus. And the future sort of falls by the wayside. And these folks week in, week out will review, you know, their workload, you know, how they're resourcing certain projects, but they don't do this. They don't bring the same level of rigor and attention, you know, on a week in, week out basis to the future work because they're just scrambling around trying to get the stuff done that they're under contract to do. This is rhetorical. Do you really think that's the reason why, Mark, that they say, oh, I've got to get this work done and they're focused on their utilization? Isn't that just an excuse for fear or ignorance of sales? Sure. Most of these service firms are very reactive in their approach. A lot of them think that the way you get new business and new clients is through a competitive RFP process. And they don't think that time spent investing in client relationships or projects that aren't really there yet, but are developing in the minds of their prospective clients or even their current clients, they don't think that that time is as valuable as time spent, you know, scrambling around writing a proposal that's due in 72 hours, because that's just how you, that's how we've always done it. So they don't, they don't take a long view. There's a, there's a short view there. Look at where you were going, Jeff. I think that's, that's a part of it. You know, we've been conditioned, those people that, that do do sales traditionally are are conditioned, you know, through some kind of steps of a sales cycle. And that first step to some degree is qualification, you know, BANT. Do you have the right buyer, the authority, you know, the timing of the purchase? And it's like, go, no, go based on BANT. And to a large degree, people neglect the nurturing of, you know, these, not just the relationships, but the opportunities. And it's, to me, it's like throwing away money. Hey, I can look at my own work at Prudent Pedal and there are clients that it probably took four years, five years before they started working with me. Absolutely. But, yeah. But, you know, I didn't write them off because they weren't ready when I was ready. I mean, they were great people. They had other business priorities. I just tried to you know, be there and help them along the way with 
related issues or even unrelated issues if if I could help them and just stay in touch. And most, I don't think most people think that way because they are. I like the way you said it really is a short-term thinking phenomenon. Right. I'll come at this a, a little bit different way. And I think this is a really, this is probably a more objective way to look at it. You know, there's this thing called capability maturity models that was started by the Department of Defense back in the 80s. I know that sounds crazy and you don't know how the heck I'm bringing that into this conversation, but you know, <laughs> you're like, Oh boy, we got to, hey, we got to fly came from the DOD. I'm excited about. So, so. right. Exactly. Or from the 80s. <laughs> or from right, the 80s right. even better. Yeah. 80s. Right. Good. Totally. So the 10 seconds on that is that the department of defense has a gazillion different processes and they have to figure out how to sort of grade them. Right. All the way from, you know, we don't, we're running around with like chickens with our heads cut off to like, you know, this other process over here, we're applying very advanced Six Sigma, you know, process improvement methodology to it. We're getting, you know, better and better at it. And there's a, there's a five step sort of, you know, grading in between those two. And, and the level one is an initial level and processes are ad hoc and, and, and activities are fluid. There aren't any, any fixed processes in place. There's no rigor. You know, and to answer, you know, your sort of question there, Jeff, or or the, the statement you made about firms just don't know. I think most firms are just operating at a very basic sort of ad hoc level when it comes to selling their services. Like that's the reality. And it's no fault of their own. These are good, smart people, but they just don't understand that there in fact is a process and that they can improve, you know, move through these five different levels of process improvement. Because there are professional services firms, you know, more sophisticated generally, larger firms often found in kind of accounting and management consulting, et cetera, that are operating at an extremely high level in their sales function. They just are, you know, and, and because they understand that they need to bring some urgency and rigor and organization to this process. And there's other, you know, smaller firms that just don't, don't see it. They don't see it. You're listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm. Your hosts are Jason Malicki, principal of Rattleback, the marketing agency for professional services firms, and Jeff McKay, former CMO and founder of strategy consultancy, Prudent Pedal. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to Jason and Jeff. My sense is that there's a, a unhealthy, self-fulfilling prophecy that plays out in a lot of firms. A lot of firms, the conventional wisdom is that our best source of new business is referrals from the existing clients or referral paths. And that belief system is so deeply indoctrinated into everything that they do that it gives them license to not essentially be as proactive in the, in the process of marketing and selling as they need to be. I kind of have this belief that there's a flip. There's a flip in time when, you know, when a firm is really good at marketing itself through thought leadership, when all of a sudden their best source of new business is no longer referrals, it actually becomes their marketing efforts, their thought leadership efforts. And when that happens, it's when they've sort of suddenly, you know, finally t- fully taken control of that and said, oh, wait a minute, we, we need to take a proactive stance on our future revenue. And if we're just going to hide behind this cliche that, you know, referrals are going to magically show up, 
And then we're not taking any responsibility for that future revenue. I've always been a believer like, I, yes, referrals are great, but I'm not a believer in that you have as much control over referrals as you do other things. And you should focus on the things you can control first and foremost in terms of marketing and selling. So anyway, that's one thing that comes to mind for me is that there's just, and there's a couple other dimensions to that too, but just this notion of these things that we tell ourselves, especially in smaller firms that block us from from being smart. The other one I think is interesting is I, I've bumped into this. People that just don't believe that there is any process to selling in a professional services firm. And imposing one is is not only not possible, but it's unhealthy. And I, and right. I reject that's, that as well. That's a great, it's an excellent point. And, and they feel it's constraining, you know, particularly who, with people who sort of are exhibiting the right behaviors around selling their services. Uh, you know, if you bring a process, it starts to put a bind on those folks. But the incredible thing that I have found is that, you know, particularly in highly technical, very complex organizations, you have a number of very smart, skilled technical practitioners who do not see an entry point for themselves in sales. They just don't get it because they think it's left for the networkers and the extroverts and the reality is, you know, the opposite is true. If you're able to introduce a good, rational process in sales and invite the people who are introverts or ambiverts, you know, sort of a little bit of both, right, into a structured process, they get it. They start to understand how it works. They start to understand sort of these milestones or these sort of, you know, gates that they move through you know, through discovery, through, you know, all these different steps in the sales process. So they start to understand it. So lo and behold, you end up with these technical professionals are starting to develop these great sales skills. Oh, and by the way, introverts are excellent listeners, which is a critical part of the sales process. So they're developing these sales skills, which as we all know, is a really important part of being a senior leader in a professional services firm. Hey, Jeff, I just want to check. You you did catch that part about listening, right? What? Did you say something? <laughs> you said a couple of, of things there. And Jason, you said something interesting as well, but because Mark's a guest, I'm I'm gonna focus on on him. You held out the accounting and, and strategy firms as as being more sophisticated in their sales process. My my inclination is that is because of of two things. One is their size. You know, they have the resources to do it. But the, the other and probably more applicable part of that is the competitive set. I mean, they have to be good at sales, given that they're playing with other very capable firms. Is Do you see that in the work that you do as well? Oh, absolutely. You know, and these firms are people who have dedicated salespeople you know, they, and they have dedicated sales managers and they have a sales organization, you know, they're getting the best of the best. And, you know, the easy way to see, you know, who's just running after it better is, you know, the BCG and the McKinsey and all those, you know, they are, where are they? Four hundred, four hundred and fifty thousand dollars annual revenue per employee, you know, in that ballpark and a very high performing architecture firm is half of that. Mm-hmm. So, and I know that that's almost an apples to oranges comparison, but not really. There is some relativity there between those two. And you can start to compare sort of people that are selling services 
how much money they're 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 actually bringing in on an annual basis per employee, and that's a shocking statistic. So anyway, I, I don't know if I address that directly, but yeah, I mean, you've just got the people that are the go-getters there and they're not the practitioners, right? I mean, they're not the folks that are there delivering the services necessarily. So they don't have that constraint. We've kind of talked a little bit about sort of what it is, right? We talked about the backlog and we talked about this pipeline thing and I'd, you know, so in, in, in that post talks about sort of the what as well, kind of gives a picture of what of, of the what you know sort of the why is sort of the next part of it i feel like like why like what's really in it for firms who take this seriously yeah it makes a lot of sense i would think you know the why of course is you know more revenue you know because growth is is good for firms because it you know it provides capital and and opportunity but i think below sure, that below that is something even better because we're talking about quality of life and enjoyment of work. You talked about how we start to create a discipline to to nurture, whether you're an introvert or extrovert or ambivert. But I would think as you start to get better at selling, you feel better about selling and it becomes a mutually reinforcing process, you know, like, like, uh, you know, my son playing the viola, you know, you master a new song, you're ready for the next tougher song. You just keep growing and evolving. But one of the cool benefits, I think, of having a healthy pipeline, and I say healthy because I've worked in firms where they're, they have huge pipelines, but when I do an analysis on them, it's all garbage and it's, it's there to, you know, just hide the fact that people really aren't doing business development. But but when you have a healthy pipeline and you think long term, it really does free up the capacity for consultants to actually help prospects because they're not obsessed about getting the sale today. And it also provides the confidence to take more risk in the type of work and the type of approaches that you can use in having conversations with with prospects. It it gives you confidence to ask more challenging questions. It gives you confidence to focus in on ideal clients instead of less ideal clients. And it uh, it gives you the confidence to walk away from bad sales as we we talked about with Brian Caffarelli you know, to just walk away when you don't have any pipeline and you see the cliff, you're not going to walk away from a bad sale. (laughs) Emotion's going to get in. It's it's so true. It is so true. And and you, you've hit right on it is that, you know, just the ability and the confidence to say no, you know, and like you said, and to walk away is, is, is a huge reason why, you know, and that strikes fear in you know, professional services providers. And one of my clients, you know, in the last few weeks or so, I said, look, okay, in our next sales meeting, we're going to get together and we're going to kill an opportunity. And they freaked out. <laughs> you know, they st- and they, they didn't, they didn't know what I was talking about. They're like, well, you know, things come and go, you know, they close, you know, all the time. We're going to, we're going to proactively kill an opportunity that's in the pipeline. And I said, yes. So we sat down at our subsequent sales meeting and everybody was, I could kind of feel that people really didn't know what was happening here. So we sort of went through the whole pipeline 
kind of individual by, you know, owner pipeline opportunity, owner by owner, and sort of said, well, is there anything on your list that we're going to kill? And we didn't really get there because no one really had that confidence to say, yeah, that one we're going to kill, you know? So it, it just, we never really got there, but it's a really interesting concept to sort of think of is like, we're going to, we, we are out to get rid of one. Right. And, and, and it was, it was a very good conversation, I think. Uh, to have is that in, and at that moment, you almost saw people think, oh, we can start to take control of this thing. We can determine as a group, as a sales team, what's in there, you know, as an organization, we can, we can chart our own path, you know, and that's pretty powerful. I think that is very powerful. And I suspect with that firm, once they kill one, number two, number three, Number four will come rapidly behind them. It's kind of like a retailer. Once you get that that person to put that first item in their cart, <laughs> the second, the third item are are not right. so hard to to convince them to put in there because they already have to go to the register, right? You know, the interesting um, thing about all this from a confidence perspective. So, so first off, the, the notion of killing an opportunity is tremendously confidence building. So just the idea of saying that's not the right fit for us, we're letting that go. That moment is an incredibly, you know, huge confidence building moment, which is, I think, would think your 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 waterfall there, there, Jeff. But the other a benefit of this that I think that we shouldn't understate before we wrap is that that confidence extends beyond the sale. Meaning that you know we, we talked a lot about confidence that it, that it that it raises in terms of the selling piece, but I think it actually enhances technical delivery massively because when you have options, when you have a healthy pipeline, and you know that there's other revenue to be had, you're much more confident in giving you know, high quality recommendations to a client. You're not, you know, you're not as afraid of, of them cutting tail and running away or whatever, which is it's just critical to delivery. So I, I think it, I think it hits everything. Agreed. And you know, the last sort of big benefit of this that I wanted to bring up is about resources, you know, and it's, you know, we're in the go-go days right now. This, this amazingly buoyant economy has put a lot of firms in a position where they are constrained you know, simply by resources. They just can't, you know, recruit and retain the right people or just enough people to to get their work done. And the pipeline, having a really clear pipeline gives you that added sort of visibility on your future resource mm-hmm. demands. Yeah. Where you can start to plan for that and you can, I mean, really, you should be resourcing your pipeline. You should not be resourcing your backlog. You know, your backlog should be work that you can deliver today and that you have bring a high level of confidence and skill to. You should be resourcing your pipeline. And if you don't know what your pipeline is, how are you going to resource it? I love that, Mark. I would say maybe one tenth of one percent of professional services firms. It actually make that leap in my experience where they are forward looking and they're using that pipeline for resource allocation. I mean, it's such a huge leap for so many firms to do that, but it's such an intuitive action to take. I love that. I love that. That's your next blog post. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll get right on it. I agree. And I also agree that that is a really good place to stop because it's a really emphatic statement Jeff tried to water down. But reality is resourcing the pipeline. Wise words. That's all I can say. Hey, before you go, I have a quick question because you're on Peer Stories. And if anyone else wants to be on Peer Stories, go to rattleandpedal.com forward slash 
hear stories. He's like a robot. He just he just says that over. I think he says that in his sleep at times. Yes. What's the dumbest thing you've ever heard Jason say on one of our podcasts? <laughs> oh, it's tough. You know, all the dumb oh, things sort of just because there's so many. All the dumb things just fade away. They do, you know, and it's it's uh, all the brilliance just sort of rises to the top. I mean, you guys, I'm like I said, I'm a huge fan. You guys are doing a great job. So I am humbled to be in you know in your peer stories and to be part of the group of people that you've you know graciously invited to join you. So thanks. Our pleasure. Keep up the. Good work. And hey, by the way, rename this thing from the pipeline cliff to the confidence ladder. I like it. All right, buddy. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mark. See ya. Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com. Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh.